Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Council of the Fellows, brought to you by the Ice Coast Motocross Show. I am Mike Lucio, joined by the usual suspects. We got Jake Starrett, Christopher Moore, uh, and the other two fellows that have joined the council, Alex Ratner and Vincent Murphy, um, here to bring you the race review of Atlanta 2, um, or Hotlanta, which I would say that this Tuesday's race actually lived up to the Hotlanta name. I would go so far as to say that this was probably the craziest night uh, in Supercross this season, maybe in a while. Um, for those of you that watched the race, you understand. For those of you that didn't, there are going to be some spoilers ahead. Um, but nonetheless, we're going to get right into it. But before we do, we just want to give a quick shout out to all the people that are with us and support us week in and week out. I want to thank Mike Parker with Parker MX, Dage Campbell with DC3 Suspension, Mike McInerney with Sandbox Kings Graphics, Justin Proxima with Detour Media, my friend Lexi with Upstate Savvy, and lastly, Jared Wilkie with 777 by Design. Um, if you've listened to the previous episodes, you know how to find them. Reach out, see what they're about. Hit them up with a follow on their respective social media pages and uh, be sure to tell them that we sent you their way. With that being said, um, let's get right into it. Let's get let's get into the hot takes. We're going to start with uh, with the rat tonight. Alexander Ratner, what's your hot take? Oh, there's a lot to take from this this round here. For me personally, I'm really proud of Justin Cooper. He did he did a really good job of actually keeping himself going. He's had a history in the past of kind of teeter-tottering in, in critical moments at times, but he kept the ball rolling, he extended his points lead, and he, he kept everything moving forward for himself on a pretty wild night. No, yeah, for sure. Um, I I want to say, I, I'm, I, I know this is going to sound bad, but I think I actually missed the, two, the first 250 heat. Um, I did too. I did too. So, I don't, was he 250 heat one or 250 heat two? I don't I don't remember. Um, but I know he qualified fastest, correct? I believe so. And then uh, yeah, he had obviously the the main event with the events that occurred. Um, he stayed out in front and ahead of everything that happened. Thanks. Yeah, both times. And both times. Both times. So yeah, no, for sure, solid night from him. Um, as we get closer to the end of the West Coast series, it's. Definitely, without a doubt, it's it's Cooper's championship to lose. Um, but he seems to be doing well with it, so for sure. Next, we're going to go with Seymour. Uh, What's the hot take? All right, I'm, I'm going to come in a little hot here. I'm going to go with uh, Carson Mumford as an absolute bust. I had high expectations for this kid coming into the year. He had a pretty good outdoor year, I would say. He was a top 10 guy for most of the motos. And I saw he was riding with J-Mart. Um, it, I was watching his vlogs a little, and he said he was pretty close in speed to Jay Martin and stuff like that, and he says that his bike now is a little better than his Geico bike, so I figured, you know, why can't he be in the mix? He should be a top five guy all year long. He should be able to beat Mitchell Harrison, Cody Shaw, uh, Seth Haymaker. I believe he's better than those guys, but he's just not putting it together at all this year. So it's kind of funny that you say that about the um, the Chaparral bike versus the Geico bike. Um, 
I think it's uh, – I was going to ask you, how much do you attribute that to the to the switch from the factory team to, I guess, not necessarily a factory team. It seems like that, that uh, bike is pretty well put together, and obviously Cody Shock is showing that the bike is pretty well put together, but um, I didn't know if you thought maybe the bike change hurt him, but evidently not. That's – so far that might be the hottest take out of the uh, – all the hot takes. That's um, – Props. Uh, I'm going to say it. Props to you, Chris. Um, stare it. We know you got something. I, I'm, I'm expecting oh. something beefy. What's the hot take? Um, Beefy. There was some beef in the 450 heats. <laughs> A-Ray crossing, landing on Anderson. He was not happy. I wouldn't be happy either, but, I mean, cross-running. I haven't sent anybody at any given time. So, I mean... Shit happens, so, right? Yeah, and I mean, so I, I would argue that there's probably two schools of thought here. One, um, A-Ray Crossruts and Anderson's kind of a, uh, a, a casualty, right? He collects Anderson. Uh, oops. The other thought, um, though, that I never really considered, and it's something that I heard listening to uh, the Pulp of X show, A-Ray is is a Ray. I mean, he's not like a Vince freezy where he's, uh, aggressive in, in right. a sense, in that sense, I would say he's just, uh, he sends it. He's a sender. hundred percent. hundred percent. So, um, and I'm taking a Ray over Anderson any day in a fight. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think Anderson is too high. Always. Dude, think, he doesn't know no, what's going I think, on. I think Anderson's throwing some haymakers, dude. I, uh, I, A-Ray's I think, beefy, dude. A Ray is a big boy. I feel like. Yeah, but it's, it's Jason Anderson, dude. I feel like yeah. he's, like with the stash, especially, I feel like he's. Nah, dude. Nah, I feel like A-Ray he's swinging. I feel like A-Ray. he's swinging. Um, Even though A Ray did like a little girl on the ground when Anderson came over to him, but. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was kind of like that moment of like, oh, please don't hurt me. Yeah. Um, but I'm taking A Ray. Okay, fair enough. So that leaves us with Vincent Murphy. You had a lot to say. What's the hot take, buddy? <sighs> I got to bring up this whole Cameron McAdoo situation. I get it. Badass ride. Crashed really hard. Came back. Still gets third. But, man, the guy was laying on the ground for nearly two laps. Stumbled his way down the bridge with the help of two guys. And then just gets to line up equally with everybody else. Man, that hurts Justin Cooper a lot. Uh, I think if you screw up like that, make make a big mistake like that, you should be... Not penalized from from the sanction of the race, but just for making that mistake, uh, I think there should have been a big points loss for him Wednesday night or Tuesday night, and we didn't see that. So going to be interesting. I bet we see some kind of a change in the rule book here coming soon, but it is what it is. Props to the kid. I mean, unbelievable ride. I I can't even imagine what he felt like, but uh, yeah, something's got to change. So, yeah, I feel like that's probably ultimately what we're going to talk about for a majority of this episode. But um, I so it's like you said, um, McAdoo to have the guts to line back up after the crash that he had. My hats off to the to the kid. Um, rode his heart out. He looked, I mean, he looked great after he crashed. 
Um, but yeah, no, it's like you said, there's a lot of people that I think, and, and I, I agree with you. And, um, I think everyone kind of wondered, how do you let the guy go from, uh, basically being down and out and, and needing the red flag. And then there's the argument too, that they pulled the red flag because he couldn't get down safely without the race stopping. But regardless, um, he hit pretty hard. He was definitely down and out. And then he came back and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I can't make up my mind on the situation. Um, but regardless, like you said, badass ride for sure. Um, that's, that's all I got to say on that for now. So moving on, um, what did, what are the thoughts on the track? I, I thought the track was kind of cool. I really, really liked the drag strip after the finish line. Um, and I thought the one wall jump that Josh Hill was absolutely sending was pretty cool. But uh, that's that's my initial thoughts. Chris, what you got? Yeah, I, I definitely like... I think I like more of the outdoor stadium vibe. I feel like than the in, indoor stadium. I think the track layout is just better. I feel like there's so much more room. I mean, maybe the riders aren't fans of the minute and forty second lap times, but as a fan of the sport, I feel like the track holds better. It doesn't get so deteriorated. You don't hear the riders talking about how gnarly the square edges are and how they've never ridden anything like it. You kind of you know what you're getting because you're only doing. 12 laps in, in the 250 main and, what is it, 16, 17 in the 450 main. So I just think the track races better all day, so I'm a fan. I would tend to agree with you. I really do like these style of tracks. I think they're pretty cool. Um, this Obviously, this track seems like it's a Daytona. Um, I would argue that it, it, it yeah, it is kind of like Daytona. But in my mind, it almost seems a little bit more like a Vegas. Is that a stretch to say that? I mean, you have really, really long, fast sections, um, longer rhythm sections, kind of bigger, you know, send send style wall jumps, uh, bigger doubles, sand rollers. So um, not necessarily Vegas recreated uh, or reshaped, but I would say a, a mix between like a Daytona and a Vegas, um, which I thought it was cool. I thought it was, I thought it was super badass. So Alex, I, I agree with you completely. Um, I had spoken to a few people that actually raced this race, um, bringing him up again, Corey Carson, New Jersey kid. Um, he actually liked the first round of Atlanta better. Um, initially he had said that, it was very different than a typical stadium supercross. Uh, a lot of the jumps were different sizes, a little bit more peaked. Uh, but he said there was a really weird layout as far as finding flow. He said it was very difficult to actually find your rhythm and get a flow going on this layout, more so than round one for some reason. So when you had mentioned that earlier, my initial thought on that was... Um... I didn't get a chance to really look look into how different this track was from the first track. Obviously, there was the major change in the sense that it was dry and it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think it was nearly as gnarly as it was on Saturday night when 
they had gotten all the rain and um, the Lions had worn in the way they did. But um, with them doing with them doing the track changes the way they do, do you think that that ultimately affects the rhythms and causes problems like what Corey was saying, where you have uh, you know jumps being different sizes, some being peaky, some not? Like, do you do you th- not that they missed anything, but do you think that that's a result of of switching the track like that? I mean, I. Hey, Any time you go backwards, right? a little bit for the most part. Um, from, I mean, anyone, please jump in. Correct me if I'm wrong. It essentially looked fairly similar, except for the beginning. It basically was backwards. A couple small changes here and there. Uh, anytime you're going to switch a track 180, I mean, we had this same experience at Monster Cup. Remember if it was this past year or the year before that, something like that. Um, it doesn't always flow both directions. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I feel like I feel like once you race it one way, I feel like mentally you're set in racing it that way. So when they simply just reverse the track, granted, I mean they're fixing all the lips and all the landings and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong, they're doing an excellent job, but I just feel like you're so set on going one way that I, I want to say the turns would almost get like notchy. Like I ride a yes. grass track around me and. If I try and ride it backwards, like it just doesn't flow, but the turns flow good one way. So it's like you're kind of doing the same thing essentially, but on a larger scale, obviously. Yeah. Vinny, what what do you got? I, you ha- you have some <laughs> unique insights into these things, so I'm I'm curious to to hear. No, yeah, I I think like what you said in the beginning, the biggest change here was that we got a dry track, and I think we would have saw a lot of the same type of racing on saturday if we didn't get all that rain uh, i actually thought the track turned out really well uh, i was afraid that a lot of those sweepers were going to be one line and follow the leader but it looks like uh, guys were going inside going outside going outside and cutting in and vice versa uh, i was a really big fan of the whoops uh, i love when the whoops are big like that uh, it separates a lot of guys and I think you saw that a lot with guys like Kenny and uh, and Chase versus a guy like Cooper who, you know, struggles in that aspect of riding. Uh, and I was actually surprised. Uh, Webb Web was really starting to hit the whoops very good last year. So I didn't think it was going to be much of a factor. But throughout the main event, man, he, he struggled a lot there. And uh, I know first lap, he was on... Kenny's rear wheel and Kenny pulled probably four or five bike lengths just through the whoops. So no, I thought the track was cool. Uh, a lot of different lines, a lot of different variations the guys were doing. So I was a fan. I think we, we were in for a really good race the other night. Yeah. So I, I was kind of thinking the same thing with, with Cooper Webb. And if you watch some of the races from last year, it seemed like he was kind of ironing out his, his issues in the whoops. Um, but it seems like, and, and again, Saturday, I feel like we can't necessarily get a fair, uh, we can't make a fair assessment because it was muddy. Um, but it does seem like, in general, not even just in the whoops, Cooper's, Cooper's speed is off at this Atlanta uh, Speedway-style track. So, yeah, for sure, I think the whoops are really cool. Um, I was amazed at the end of the 450 main how fast some of those guys were blitzing. If you watch them, they would uh, come off the jump before 
and sweep all the way over to the right-hand side of the whoops. I mean, it looked like Barsha was about a foot peg away from the tough blocks, and he was nailing the whoops as hard as he could. I thought it was sick. Um, made me nervous a little bit, but those guys, I, you know, hey, they don't care. Jake, what you got? Um, yeah, I mean, oh, I thought the track was good. It was decent. Um, I don't know. I don't really. It was a it was a good track, I guess. I don't really got much. I don't got much on it. Yep, that's it. Yep. Didn't make for any any beef. No one was. You got nothing. All right. I mean, we'll get into it later. Yeah. No. Okay. Um. Mute yourself. Get out of here. Be gone. Thank you. <laughs> uh. So anyway, moving forward. Uh, getting into the 250s. Like I said earlier, I, I missed 250 heat one, so I'm gonna defer to. I, I'm gonna defer to whoever wants to take 250 heat one, but um, I know McAdoo won it, which it seemed like he was going to have a good night from there, but I don't know. So, uh, Vinny, what do you yeah, got? Yeah, it was pretty uneventful. Uh, McAdoo, I want to say he started in second, made the pass pretty quick, and. And kind of just took off from there. Uh, I don't think anything really crazy happened in either 250 Heat on Tuesday night. Uh, I mean, just the usual guys, Justin Cooper taking one and McAdoo taking the other. And I I thought we were going to be in for a really good main event. Uh, I knew Cooper, like he usually does, has that raw speed advantage. Um, and his start, his starts finally have been back where they typically are even though that's something that I like to argue a lot is people are always like, Oh, he's such a good starter and which he is, but in supercross from what I've noticed the past couple of years, he's not that great of a starter compared to what he is on a normal dirt start. So yeah. Uh, just the two best guys winning the heat as we could probably expect. So yeah, it was a, just a good, it was good. Uh, start to the night just so we can see how the track was going to race and it it turned out pretty well yeah I, I agree it definitely looked like it was uh leading up to some good to some good racing and then like you said it, it was just follow the leader in the heat races pretty much yeah I mean in the heat races I want to throw out Cody Shock. he got fourth Northeast guy, um, really good for him to get a fourth in the heat race. Um, and another guy who, you know, was a really good outdoor rider when he started at Red Bud, Ty Masterpool, got straight in from the heat races. I feel like everyone looked over that. They didn't really talk about him. Um, he got in with an eighth. But um, other than that, yeah, I mean, 250 heat races were kind of just nothing really serious or crazy what happened, but... Yeah, and tie rides, tie rides well when we get to these tracks. I don't, I don't know what exactly he struggles with so badly when we get into a more stadium-like track, because uh, obviously things didn't seem like they were going as planned the first couple of races. But you know, you saw Daytona. Now you're seeing these past two races, he's riding more like himself. So I think these tracks definitely benefit him and his riding style for sure. I, I agree with you there, Murphy. But I really wonder 
how how much he can claim that he's no longer on a star bike versus he's technically on a privateer gas gas. I wonder like what type of motor he's got. He's obviously got good suspension, but I wonder what he's pushing power wise compared to what his star bike was because granted he's still getting pretty good starts, but definitely not as dominating as he was during the outdoor series. No. And I know, I know this was a really big thing and a big conversation point when he was at star, why he wasn't racing supercross and from the things circling around in the industry was, I heard he wanted to when he was with star. And I, I think from what I know, star, pulled the plug on it because of how he looked with the other guys at the test track and how long it was taking him to develop those supercross skills that he needed to go race so i don't know i hope i hope he stays at it uh i hope he races outdoors because i think if he stays healthy he can be be really good i don't know if he'll be as good as he was on a factory bike but uh i think just give the kid a couple of years and he's going to be just fine Look, anyone that listens to the show knows I'm the biggest Time Master Pool fan, um, maybe in the Northeast. I don't know about the the nation or the world. I won't go that far. But, um, no, I agree. And it does suck to see him lose the factory ride. I guess, you know, I understand from, you know, like a business perspective and, and running a team, um, you want your guys to be the best competing in both aspects of the sport. There's a whole nother topic of discussion that we can get into on that regardless um like you said jake cool to see him do well um and then from there i would say that the 250 lcq kind of uneventful um one honorable mention i will well actually no there there was a pretty uh scary crash in that one too um kind of sucks to see him go down but uh ryan sipes ate it off the landing of one of those doubles. I believe it was right before the finish line or right after the finish line. It could have been the finish line. It was the finish line. And then I don't I don't know what you guys are talking about uneventful. I think there was at one point three guys in qualifying position who crashed out, right? So Sipes went down. He collected Sean Cantrell, went down with him. And then was it Dominique Thury who crashed there in the whoops? I he had just so, yeah. he had just gotten into fourth or third and Got Caddy Wampus through the whoops, crashed out, and that's what got uh, that's what got Dylan Schwartz in the last spot. So, yeah, that the LCQ okay. was quite I'm, eventful. I'm sorry, I take my words back. It was eventful. Um, do you even but, watch the races, dude? I do. It's been <laughs> it's been a long week. It was on Tuesday. Um, had we done this last night, I probably would have a little bit fresher of a memory. But I apologize. So, um. But anyway, moving, not moving forward, but uh, going along with that, the one person I was really impressed with in that 250 LCQ was Ryan Surratt. Um, I've been a big Ryan Surratt fan since he was in the amateurs. I understand he, <laughs> I understand he, uh, he might not have been the best, um, but the kid is always kind of like when Forkner and Charbonneau and all those guys were in the amateurs, he always ran up there with them. Um, so to see him holding his own in the pros, um, I'm pumped for him. I thought it was a stellar ride. Um, so anyone else got anything for the uh, uneventful, eventful 250 heats and or LCQ? Let's get to the main event. Main event. <laughs> Let's get to the main event. Okay. Vinny, 
Talk to me. <laughs> Walk us through. So go I off, see, Vinny. Go, go off. <laughs> well, no. So, like, I see your side, and I agree with you in the sense, uh, it, it, with everything you're saying about the, the Cameron McAdoo incident. What, what do you do differently? I mean, if you're, I don't even know what position you would have to be in to to make an uh, an alteration to the events that occurred that night. Um, but how do you see that going down? You, basically, he caused the red flag. They do the restart, and he's not lining up. That's your take on it. My take is, my take comes from a lot of people trying to argue with me about this, and some of other people's points that I think are completely ridiculous. Uh, I have people telling me that it's perfectly fine. Like, listen, his ride after the red flag, unbelievable. I give him all the credit in the world for that. But when you crash out so hard like that, that you're sitting up on top of the tunnel jump for a lap and a half, and then you need assistance from two guys to carry you off. I, I don't see how it is fair to, and I'm not just saying to Justin Cooper, because for people that are uneducated, Star wasn't the only team that protested this. Um, I it don't turns get out, it. Turns out Mitch actually protested it as well. <laughs> he didn't realize it was his own I know guy. Honda he, did. I know Honda did. Uh, it's <laughs> just, it's unbelievable that. First of all, how unaware everybody was of what the rule book stated because every other professional supercross racer I talked to after this or after this incident, we all agreed that we thought if you caused a red flag, you were not allowed to race. And people were saying uh, so many bad things about Justin Cooper's interview after the race that he was concerned about how they were going to let him race again when i know for a fact every single person rider and mechanic who actually races didn't think that was a legal move so i just i don't understand how he could be a lap and a half down crashed so hard that he needed assistance to that extent and then just be put back on level playing field i it's it's unbelievable to me. So my only, and I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree. My only comment to that would be if I'm Justin Cooper on the inter, on the podium during the interview, I just wouldn't have mentioned anything. No, but this, is, not, this is what I have a problem with, and I'm going to tell you right now this is what I have a problem with, is every fan in the sport gets pissed off that riders aren't open and tell their open feelings about how they feel before the race, during the race, after the race, and then he comes out and tells you guys how he feels. And then he gets shit thrown at him about it. It's it's unbelievable. And I, people that are commenting on Justin Cooper's posts, you guys are all ridiculous and you're all clueless because you guys it it makes zero sense. We all thought the same exact thing. Okay, I'll take my point and I'll just leave. Um, referring to where all these people are telling you things, where. Where is this happening? Is this this is on Justin Cooper's Instagram? People can go and see you. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you can go see me. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree with you, Murph. But I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree for a second here because I I want to say 
that although he caused the red flag, I feel like it's he caused the red flag because he was in such a bad spot. I don't necessarily think if he crashed in a different location, the red flag would have been thrown. I feel like because he was on the tunnel jump and he couldn't get down, which is the reason why he shouldn't be. Exactly. You literally just, I'm sorry, but you just canceled out your own point that if if he was okay enough to race, he could have gotten down off that tunnel on his own and got on his bike two laps down. That's my point. But you you've hit in the ground hard enough to where you you lay there for a second or two and you're like oh shit like I really I rode my belt a little let me relax but but then it just blows my mind how he once he gets helped down then he's magically okay to race but I don't I don't know you could debate all day with this I think the rule needs to change I don't care where you're on a track if you cause a red flag and you're the reason that red flag. He's being waved. You are not getting back on that gate. I don't care who it is, what happened. And I'd it, agree it, with that. Like, that rule needs to change. I, I'm so, yeah, like, and I completely agree. And, and then you have to think about where they're at in the race, that if Justin Cooper goes 25 more seconds on the track and crosses that finish line, McAdoo's out because then they're three laps in and they go to a staggered start. And that's the rule. If it's a staggered start, you're out. If it's back to the gate you're in well then supposedly i heard from somebody at the race that they saw mumford riding back up to the gate after the red flag was thrown and then no mumford on the line so was from what i understand as far as mumford goes i spoke to someone that works for the team uh, mumford did line back up rode down the start straight and called it to get paid yes smart move smart man smart man uh, he will be out for a shoulder with a shoulder injury for uh, at least two to three weeks. They need to fill in. We know somebody. The, dude, the way you're talking, I don't know if I want you on a supercross track. <laughs> I think, you're, dude, you're gonna go for everybody. McAdoo's no. number one, I think. Finn, I'm gonna call right now. Let's go. But that's the thing is like people, people are misunderstanding my takes for being disrespectful to what McAdoo did, but. Last year before Salt Lake, McAdoo rode with us for two weeks straight, and he is a super awesome kid, and I liked him a lot. But I, I'm sorry again to say stuff like this, but if that's any guy outside of the top ten in the main event, no chance in hell they're letting him race. No chance. Vinny, you're not like it's like you're a racer, so you're looking at it from like a racer's point of view, like. It's not about if McAdoo's a good kid or not. It's not about like what should have been done the right way. And I agree. I don't think like the medics did the right thing. I don't think AMA did the right thing. I like McAdoo a lot. Like he he has huge balls for lining back up and going back out there. But that's not like what people are arguing about. It's arguing about if AMA did the right thing or not, or if the medics did the right thing or not. Exactly. At the and end that's of the, the point. That's the exact point I'm trying to make. Uh, it, if it was Justin Cooper and it happened, I would make the same exact point. If it was Hunter Lawrence, I'd make the same exact point. It's just, I don't know. It's just a freak situation that we'll probably never see again. And I hope this doesn't lead to top contenders crashing and doing something like this when they're actually okay and they're trying to cause a red flag so they can have a redo. Uh, 
I hope it doesn't turn out like that, and I, I don't think it will. But, I mean, you never know what you're going to see in the future here. So, ultimately, I and again, this was I feel like this was kind of like a fluke situation that nobody really expected to happen, um, mainly because when you go down that hard, you don't even want to line back up. Um, so I think ultimately there, there's going to be a rule change pretty quickly. Um, I don't think it's going to be something that they're going to sit on and, and wait to happen again. Um, I think they're going to say, look, if you cause the red flag, no matter if it's a complete restart or a staggered start, you're going to be out. You're, you're done. Um, and I think that's going to definitely, obviously, that'll prohibit guys from, you know, top guys from crashing and uh, faking, you know, faking the red flag, I guess. But um, Chris, you got anything? I, I don't know. Murphy, at first, I was I was all about, he should have been able to race. You know, he can't tell when the red flag's getting thrown. He didn't tell him to throw the red flag. It was more so the situation he's in. But I don't know. Murphy's got such good points that he's kind of he's kind of swaying me a little bit to where now I'm starting to think that he really shouldn't have raced. And if we look at that first turn in the main event where he OJ'd into that first rhythm section, he almost went four in. I was just I was out of my seat. I was cringing the whole time. I was like, he's so out of it. He has no idea what he's doing. He's going to hurt himself and possibly someone else. But- that was that was a huge thing, Chris, that I was afraid of is that, okay, say I do think he hit his head pretty hard. And I it appeared to me that he went limp when he hit the ground and got flung up over on top of the tunnel. So you know if you black out quick like that, you're going crazy, like you finally figure out where you're at, which I've been blacked out for a second and, and have remembered everything, so it could have been a situation like that. But, dude, it's, to me, like I know a lot of other people in the industry talking about how dangerous it could have been. And like you said, Chris, I was so afraid that he was just not in the right mindset and that something bad was going to happen to follow. And I do believe if something bad did happen, then you would really see a huge problem with AMA and Feld and the medic crew that let him go. But luckily that didn't happen and he wrote unbelievably. So yeah. I just want to know, I just want to know why couldn't he get a new helmet? Like that thing was smashed. Like they couldn't bring him a new helmet, dude. Like if he crashed that thing again, he probably would have been donezo. I mean, what a great great advertisement for the new bell coming out this weekend, huh? Yeah, that too. I, you think Bell maybe paid him off there, like, hey, dude, smack your head as hard as you can. Um, try to stay safe. But, and then he just went and did that. He was like, yeah, hold my beer. Um, yeah, I, Vinny, I, I got to agree with Chris here. Like, I, not, not necessarily that I was all for letting him race. I think, um, I think ultimately, if anyone's to blame in this whole situation, it's, it's got to be the AMA. It's got to be um, the Alpine Stars medical crew for clearing them and, and doing it so quickly. Um, maybe if they had gone through the proper precautions and cleared them, I could see, but that takes a lot of time, and you can't do that in the middle of a restart. So, um, yeah, but Last thing, I don't know. You... One thing that just irks me about the whole situation is 
me and Murph both know that a concussion test through AMA takes about 15 minutes to do, give or take. I hit my head at Redbud in 2019 in my second practice, and they held me out of the LTQ because they thought that my head wasn't okay. Meanwhile, I passed my concussion test, but they thought that my head wasn't okay, so they obviously have the last call, which, like we've said, if this is a private here, they're not racing. Prime example. No, and that's a, that's a phenomenal point for sure. Alex, give, I, yeah. us your, give us your closing thoughts here. I have kept my mouth shut this entire discussion for a reason. Um, this is something yeah. that I've personally experienced myself. Uh, I've been dealing with post-concussion syndrome since 2009. Uh, to the point where I couldn't drive for a couple of years and I still have those days where I can't function like a normal human being. I, can't, I don't know where I am the whole nine yards. Um, I was almost in tears. I thought that guy died in front of me. Uh, I, obviously, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. You're referring to McAdoo? Yes. Okay. Obviously, it's a little bit of an exaggeration. But the way everything is structured within the AMA, and I've, I've been around the paddock a lot. Like I, I had my, my team in Canada, um, and it's essentially the same thing. Chris and Vinny are both right. That test is 15 minutes long, and truthfully... Most people don't do it in the proper state of mind intentionally. Um, and this is coming from someone who could potentially end up not leaving the track the next time they have a good crash. So I, I heard you guys talking about that earlier. And my question is why, and there could be a, a blatant reason that I'm just not seeing, why would you want to do this impaired? Why, or why would you want to do the test impaired on purpose? Because if you come into a situation as far as McAdoo is in, as far as this is, we're talking millions of dollars here. This is, I don't care if it's 250, 450. 450 is obviously going to be more money. But McAdoo, between gear, Cowie, contingency, AMA payouts, his, his contract, especially riding for Mitch, is in a ton. But altogether, we're talking almost $2 million. Minimum. That's enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And I'm not saying that this is what he did. I'm just saying I've seen it before. Because uh, if you get hurt and you're in the title hunt, that's the difference between them letting you ride and them not letting you ride. Okay, so yeah, I want to bring up the situation here. Let's just say, uh, let's say this happens first lap of time qualifying. They red flag practice. They bring him down. He says, I want to go back out. Does it happen? Personally? Um, if this is anyone but McAdoo, no. <laughs> Even Cooper. Let's, let's, Cooper or Lawrence. If this is anyone other than those top guys, no. Okay, okay so if this, let's say, like Vinny said, let's say this is the first... God, our so sport is so fair. Let's say, I know, right? Let's say this is the third lap of the first practice, right? What they're going to do is not let you out for the, the rest of the practice. Because are we talking free practice or first time practice? 
timed, right? I mean, let's say this is first free practice. They're going to hold you for the first timed practice, let you ride the second practice. Yes, I agree. If you if you pass, if you pass, but that will be enough time. That will be enough time to know you're either in major trouble or you're not. And even if ultimately, like I've, I've got a lot of experience with this, ultimately, anytime you hit your head, you're in trouble. Even if it's small, it ultimately adds up. Like I've had several concussions throughout my life, more than I can honestly count, and they, they accumulate. And let's face it, anyone who's riding a dirt bike at, that, at this level has crashed how many times? Mm-hmm. Plenty. So every time you crash, it compounds. So you don't even necessarily need to go face first into a landing or anything to have a significant repercussion of this. Let's look at guys like, I, ha- I hate to say it, but um, some of the, the New York older guys have had issues with this. Um, there's, there's been plenty of guys, I'm not going to go into detail personally for all of them, but there's plenty of guys we can go through the history that have had issues as far as dealing with concussion issues and emotional issues after that. You essentially lose control. And when I watched Cameron McAdoo get back on the gate, I was half proud of him for committing himself that much, but I was so scared. If he's riding for me, if I'm Mitch Payton, I'm debating if it's worth it. Now, he ended up riding really, really well, and it worked out. But, like, I believe it was Vinny that said earlier, what happens if something went wrong? If he took someone else out? Like, it's not just you on the line. You're responsible for everyone's safety around you. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I would say everyone's made valid points. Um as much as I don't want to admit it, probably Vinny more so than the rest of us. But, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I, I agree. And, um, you know, not to spend the whole episode talking about the, the McAdoo incident. Um, let's boil it down to this. Glad he's okay. Um, probably should have been handled differently. I don't necessarily hold... I mean, I, I guess you kind of hold him responsible because he, he insisted on racing again. Um, but I think that rules need to be changed. I think people need to look at the, the procedures that they're going by. And kind of also to Vinny's point again, um, when he kind of chimed in there, you know, man, our, our sport is so fair. You know, I, if you are a top guy and you crash out and you red flag, it don't matter. You, whether you're a, a, a guy that's going to DNF or a guy that's going to, win the chip you're out yeah, bottom line I, I literally have one more thing to say before we, we wrap this topic up and move forward but two things is we need to change the rules you should at least have to change a helmet and secondly why did Will Christensen not give him back his number plate the AMA can't score races as it is like why did she not give him back his number plate I think the mount broke be honest, on his plate oh yeah, no. It's just funny that the AMA can't score races as it is. I don't know. Maybe she, you know, Probably she was like, "Hey, hey, hey, hit me up." 
She took it home as a souvenir. It's on yeah. her wall right now. Yeah, come on, come on over. Hit me up. There you go. Hit me up. Um, Alrighty, how about Hunter Lawrence, huh? I was you. God, stop it. <laughs> stop with the good points. Stop it. Um, yes, Hunter Lawrence. Hunter Lawrence, those last what four laps? Oh my god, you look so good. Where did he start? I, I don't actually remember because I was so focused on where McAdoo was that whole second main event. Um, but I know he didn't he what he didn't have a phenomenal start. Um, I think ninth. he was outside of the top ten, right? Yeah, first lap came around ninth, and I feel like he didn't make many moves. Like the first five minutes, I think I saw him up to seventh, and then with about want to say about halfway through the race, he just started clicking guys off, and like. I, I mean, one of them obviously was Karen McAdoo, but he went through a, a pretty, I mean, he had to go through Nate Thrasher, who's just coming off a win. And Nate, all, I got to say, Nate Thrasher looked phenomenal too. And what I was most impressed with Thrasher uh, was after he got passed by McAdoo and Hunter Lawrence, I, I figured he about, you know, blew the top off and was just going to start fading. But, I mean, he put a pretty good charge in with about two, three minutes to go to try to make that pass back. On McAdoo, and I was—that's what I was most impressed about was how good he looked at the end of the race. I agree. Where in the beginning of the year, like let's let's be honest here, we probably all wrote him off, and we were like, "All right, just another another bust." You know what I mean? With that star racing team, and he's he's really turned it around. Fitness was good, like you said. He he put on a charge and impressed probably a lot of people, including Bobby. No, yeah, it was really good. Uh, Marchbanks, I don't. I feel like just about the opposite for him. Uh, looked like looked like less than halfway. He started throwing the anchor out and started dropping back. And I figured this was a track that he would excel at. Uh, great ride for Mitchell Harrison, I thought. Another solid inside the top six. He's been really riding well these past couple races. And it's good to see because that guy, I mean, from a factory ride to a privateer to having to go to Europe to now being back and competing at the highest level of Supercross, he's been doing great. Yeah, Mitchell Mitchell Harrison's definitely been, uh, especially lately, I would argue he's been turning it up. I think at the beginning of the season, he was kind of, I would say, maybe trying to find his feet a little bit still. But um, for sure, he's definitely been turning it up. And then um, we mentioned him before, but... Again, killer result in the main. Cody Shock uh, finished off seventh. Yeah, career best for Cody. Yeah, I mean awesome that's killer. Ride. I mean, look at the the list of guys that he beat. Uh, and I didn't. I like you said, Mike. I I wasn't really paying much attention to the back of the race because I was so focused on if McAdoo was alive. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, to beat Pierce Brown, Seth Haymaker, Jalik Swole, Kyle Peters, even guys like Jay Sowen, like those are all guys that have been around even like even though a guy like Seth this is his first year in Supercross I mean he's been a guy all through his amateur career and to be on a factory team I mean this is huge for Cody and I think I think now with how well he's doing you put a a good guy like Harrison or somebody else on his team uh, I think you can see a lot of support start rolling over that way I agree. I think that's huge for that FXR Chaparral Honda team to have 
you know, someone like Cody Shock, who probably came in more so as the underdog on the team and has proven to be be the top guy on the team. Oh, yeah, but, but, and that's by, by a long shot. I mean, yeah, the guy has been been really, really good. I, I, he has. He has. And it's, like, it's surprising. I know I talk to Michael Lindsay every now and then, and I know he gets mad every time people say that this team was built around Carson Mumford. Uh, but you're all, like, everyone's right that Mumford's not really producing right now, and it, it's surprising. And no, I, Sh- Shock is really doing well. Yeah, from round one, I mean, I know uh, Mumford and, and Schwartz got tangled up in that heat race, but I mean, the names that were in that LCQ at round one are all previous main event guys, and for Cody to hold shot and leave them and win that LCQ dominantly at round one when the the field's the healthiest and, you know, the, the deepest, I was blown away, completely nice. blown away by his ride, and uh, it's, it's amazing to see. Great ride. He's been strong. And, uh, yeah, I think next year's going to be even better. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, we got Pierce Brown coming in right after him. I had high expectations of Pierce Brown coming into more of the speedway style track after he got a, what was it, a second or a third at Daytona? Third? Yeah, yeah, finishing on the podium at Daytona. It was a podium I finish, yeah. I think yeah, so. for Pierce, man, he's so talented and he's got so much speed. Just injuries have hurt him from when he was younger in the amateurs, just you know, it's hard to say healthy enough, uh, but I'm hoping something changes. Maybe, I don't know, maybe just calm down on the bike a little bit and let his results catch up to a more comfortable pace that he can ride at. And But yeah, like you said, it. I thought he would be in that top five, top six for sure. So, I mean, after, uh, after Pierce, you got Seth Hamaker kind of... I guess for a rookie season, you would more so expect a uh, a top 10 out of him. Um, it seems kind of lackluster coming from what we've seen out of him thus far. Um, but he he also kind of had a uh, a little bit of a rough night. Now that I think about it, he had a a couple crashes in his in his heat. Um, and they weren't necessarily terrible crashes, but um, I think he got pretty flustered. And I don't know. I don't know if it was the track. I don't know if he was just... Woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning, but it definitely did not seem to be his night. Um, Jalik's full coming in tenth. I would say Jalik has has been pretty consistent throughout, and and um, I would say top ten is is great for him too. I mean, kind of along that same line of uh, Pierce Brown and and Seth Hamaker for sure. Yeah, up and down season for him for sure. I mean, you see a podium, you've seen a couple top fives, and then to get 10th and hey i mean we saw it across both classes some guys just don't gel with these speedway styles of tracks and i mean i guess people would argue that oh they're good riders anyway they should be able to adapt but i mean it's like racing southwick big sandy track and then go race out in california where it's hard packaged it's, it's just different um and then uh, after him, you got Kyle Peters, and then Jay Sowen. Um, and I know twelfth kind of doesn't seem that's great, fine. but for for Jace, um, I've been yeah. a Jay Sowen fan. I would for a while. 
I like the dude. I think he's he's got a solid uh, riding style. Um, he's kind of uh, hurt right now too. He's got I think like a leg injury, like an yeah. ACL, something yep. like that. Torn ACL, and I think um, that's fine. Twelfth is fine for him. So I I would say because this is also his first full time season, full time Supercross season in a while, isn't it? I mean he he's been away from Supercross doing arena cross for the past few years. I mean three or four at least. I believe yeah, he, so. He raced arena cross when I raced it in 2016. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Ty Masterpool, Jake's Jake's boy there. Thirteenth. Um, uh, Ramiller Alves. I don't know if I say his name right, but uh, yeah, dude, he's been a guy that like I don't. It looks like when he practices and stuff, and he's qualifying, that you would think that he wouldn't be a main event guy, but man, he's he is a racer because heat races come around and he looks like a completely different guy. Yeah, he was a P25 in qualifying. So I honestly had him off my radar pretty much all day. And he gets a ninth in his heat race, which I was like, wow, this kid's real. For sure. And uh, we'll uh, cut it off at the, at the top 15. Rounding out is uh, good old Chris Blows. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him lately. He was like a solid 7-8 guy in past couple of races. I don't know if he's just been crashing or what he's been struggling with, but it, it has not been very Chris Blows-esque. I mean, if you look all the way up to the top eighth, you've got all the, I mean, obviously all the names that we mentioned earlier. So it, it's a pretty, st- I would say it's just a pretty stacked field. And I mean, Chris Blows is no spring chicken anymore. So... I would love to argue with that, but we'll move on. Can quick hit hit me? No, Chris Bowe's first all the rounds in inside the stadiums. He was between six and tenth place. This fifteenth place, something in my opinion, something definitely happened. So then it's maybe the the track. I don't know. It seems maybe, like this. Tra- yeah, it it, it seems be. like this track just gels really well with other with some riders, and then others. It, it for sure. Yeah. So, hold on. There was a crash. Ryan Sipes that everyone look, now looked over, but that crash was pretty gnarly too. No, we talked about that. We talked about that. We no, talked we, about that. When I no. said it was an uneventful LCQ, LCQ and, and then Vinny gently reminded me that it was pretty eventful. Oh, I might have um, been getting a drink or something. Let's hit on this quick. You know what he said? Did you see what he, he said? That he accidentally stomped on the rear brake up the face of the finish line. Really? I thought he would have hit like false neutral. That's what I thought. But wow, that was gnarly. Okay, yeah, we can move on. But yeah, right, but, poor right, guy, sorry. 36 years old to take a hit like that. God bless. Yeah. Dude, I can't believe he took out Cantrell, though. Cantrell's got to put this together. I, I expected him He's to He's trash. He needs to be done. Come on. Here we go. Okay, 450. Yeah, so... Uh, before we move on to the 450, um, we mentioned the sponsors earlier. We got a couple of uh, people that have been willing to throw in some discounts for us. So uh, when you go to Parker, be sure to mention our name. Get uh, 20% off of your purchase. Uh, get 15% off with Sandbox Kings when you mention the Ice Coast Motocross Show. Um, and with our good buddy, 777 by Design, uh, for a custom painted lid, mention the show and get 20% off. So, yeah, let's move on to the 450s, though. Um, Pretty big night overall. Um, you know what, Vinny? You're, yeah, dude, you're rolling tonight. So you d- walk us through it. 
huge swing back in the points. I, if you asked me on Monday night what was going to happen, I would say, yeah, Kenny will probably get like fourth or fifth, but Webb's going to beat him anyway, so it's not really going to matter. But flawless from Kenny. I mean, start to finish, Coop had a chance to run with him in the beginning and had absolutely nothing for him. Uh, it looked like Kenny of Indianapolis, where he was, his sprint speed at the beginning of the race is just unmatched by anybody. And now with what happened at the end of the race with Barsha and Webb, which people are talking about Barsha, but dude, he's in fourth. He's racing for a paycheck. He's racing for, you know, I know he's signed through next year, but dude, he wants results just as bad as anybody else does. He's not just going to roll over because you're Cooper Webb, you know, and that incident, he was just getting back to that cutout line through the wall. And I think Webb, tried, I don't know what Webb really tried to do. If he tried to rush it or he tried to cut back underneath Barsha. But that's, in my opinion, that's Ben Barsha. He's going to race you till he can't race you anymore. Not a big deal. 13-point swing. Or what was it? A 9-point swing. We're back in it. I mean, I hope this thing goes down to the end. Yeah, it's, I think it's mind blowing how much that tightened up. Because on after Saturday's race, I kind of I was like, all right, championship's pretty much wrapped up. We're at what twenty three points now. I'm like, all right, here we go. Cooper's just got to ride it home a couple weekends, and then Roxon goes from a ninth, which he was a sleeper ninth, just rode around all race to a dominant first. It's crazy how mental this sport really is. Well, so. And- they were throwing around if, bike changes too. Right. Sorry, Jake. I, I I know you wanted to say it. Um, but they so they were throwing around something to do with the chassis. Um I I wanna say I heard on the on the Pulp and Mech show it was something to do with the linkage. Um it could have just been something simple and it worked. I mean as much <laughs> As much as we think, like, you know, these guys are, are, you know, pros and they're supposed to be superior motorcycle riders and, uh, you know, it's more so technique over equipment. Uh, I think when you're at that level and you you ride at that level, the littlest change that's going to help you, I mean, I think this kind of goes without saying, but the littlest change that's going to help you is um, obviously going to benefit you. And I think it did for Kenny. Um, and even if it was a kind of like the placebo effect, I think making that change and that initial, oh, this feels, you know, better, um, boosted his confidence for sure. And, and I think we saw it. Um, but, yeah, so Kenny dominated. But Cooper, like I mentioned earlier, Cooper seems off pace. And and I don't know if it's the style of track. Um, I've heard a lot of people saying it's because, you know, it's not as, a, it's not a, as sharp a track as – say a stadium races where you have really uh, tight corners that, that, you know, Cooper can, can get into like we like to see him do. And um, obviously the whoops killed him. Um, You know, he got passed in the whoops by Barsha. Um, And then he, you know, yeah, he started him out in that charge again, was catching Barsha. Um, I would say it's a racing incident. What happened between the two of them? Um, Yeah. That's, I would say Cooper just kind of seemed off, even on Saturday. So, so far, two out of three, I'm saying we haven't seen a, 
I don't know, normal Cooper Webb, I'm, I would say. Yeah, but a good ride for uh, Chase Sexton as well. Another second. Can't really, can't really be mad about that. You know, he's really no. hanging in there with the big dogs now. No, and uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we all we all know how much Jake loves Chase Sexton. Um, no, for sure, good ride. He looked good. Um, and again, someone else that was able to kind of blow by Cooper and put put distance on him. For sure, he's an animal. Um, yeah, oh, he's an animal. No, he is. He, he's riding good for sure, and I think he's going to carry it through to Saturday without a doubt. Um, but the other thing that that definitely got overlooked on Tuesday was the A Ray and Jason Anderson incident. Um, and I don't think it got overlooked because it it wasn't a big deal. It got overlooked because everybody was dumbfounded by the McAdoo incident. Um, but regardless, Jason Anderson got landed on in his heat race, um, and then came back and finished third in the main. And he looked like an absolute animal in the LCQ. Uh, the ride that he put on was insane. So Alex, what do you got? I'm more blown away that Jason Anderson publicly apologized than anything else. I feel like that's the biggest surprise of all of this. I don't care that a Ray landed on him. That doesn't surprise me at all. I feel like Jason Anderson publicly apologizing. Is surprising. I feel like Anderson's a pretty cool dude, though. I, I mean, obviously anybody's going to be pissed in the moment when that something like that happens. And, I mean, you could hear it on the TV when he was yelling at him. Personally, when I saw it happen, it looked like he went to go hold his shoulder or it looked like something was wrong. But, dude, he was on the ground for a good... 30 seconds with crashing and yelling at A-Ray and then almost came back and made the main event straight out of the heat. Yeah, I can't believe that happened. I was dumbfounded. I I couldn't believe that he came back. Like, if he just got up on his bike and went, he would have made it. (laughs) I had him on my fantasy team. I was really hoping that was going to happen. but So did I. We're in the the same boat then. The speed was there for sure. I mean, he qualified fastest um, from the first session. And that held through. So he's not. Yeah, you can see like on the podium when he was like, yeah, I'm just having a lot more fun now. I'm enjoying my practice time. It looks like it looks like we have 2000, you know, old Jason Anderson back behind the bars. And it's cool. He's been ripping. Uh, Unimpressed by Tomac again. I I hate to hear it. I I mean, I'd, I'd agree. I thought he was going to put on a charge there about halfway, you know, get by Coop, keep moving forward. But he wouldn't have passed Cooper if Cooper didn't crash. Yeah. And that that amazed me. And uh, I would, I don't know. I I really, like, I'm curious as to what it is this season with Tomac because we've seen, we have seen, especially on a track like, Atlanta, um, a Tomac supercharge. And we haven't really seen that a whole lot this season. So I, I don't know what's going on with him. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Vinny. It's kind of disappointing. I thought maybe he was going to go for the uh, three-peat sweep here on the um, on the residency. But, unfortunately, it, it's not going to happen. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. But, Jake, what do you got? I got a few things. One, Roxon better hole shot. 
every round from here on out because if he doesn't get a whole shot, he sucks. So he better whole shot. Two, second one, Dino going sh- straight to the main. No LCQ this <laughs> Tuesday night for Dino. And he, um, he got second in the in the heat race too, second. didn't he? Yeah, but yes. I, I can't understand. Like, the guy qualifies fourth. He looks great. He rips in the heat, and then he gets a awesome start in the main event and just falls back to hey. ninth, tenth place where he's been the whole year. Hey, we don't talk about Dino like that on this podcast. He's got my photo <laughs> like, hanging. He's got my I, photo I, hanging in his living room. We don't talk bad about Dino. I like I Dino a lot, but <sighs> no, I'm just giving you our time. Come on, another another yeah, thing. I, I agree. I'm a big Dean Wilson fan, but I feel like he's just he. It's almost like he gets nervous when he's up front. That's kind of like the way I see him because he gets great starts and then he he's so timid. He's not charging through that the field like he should be. Be gentle. It's my first time. Yeah, we, it all it all changed in his KTM years, honestly, to me. And we passed through Marvin AP, but to be honest, other than not much the, to talk about. Yeah, for the two minutes they tried to put on a charge on Coop, didn't really see them. Uh, anybody notice Marv no neck brace while he's racing, slipping on for yes. the interview? Yes. What's up no. with that? Um, Did you forget it? No, no, because main event and heat race, no neck brace, and then I've heard some the, rumors. On the podium, he was wearing it. I've heard some rumors there was a trainer change for him, but I don't know if that's true or not. Rhino Power? I don't know if it's Rhino. I don't think it's Rhino Power. (laughs) I don't think it's Rhino Power. I don't, honestly, I have no clue if that's even accurate. The Nature Man himself? Uh, So, all I know is that he hasn't been at the Baker's Factory lately. That's all I know. So, you mean to tell me that Alden's Golden Boy is going to leave him high and dry? I think it's his wife. I think his wife is going to be his main trainer. (laughs) Total side note here, but did you see Rhino Powers post of McAdoo where his knee brace is caught on? Created a crash. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not. Yeah, I'm real. I didn't. I didn't see it. Wait, can? can, Is it like a typical Rhino Power post? Like unbelievable. I can't. This is why we don't wear knee braces when we ride. (laughs) Everyone needs two chickens. Pretty much. Savachi ten. Joey's yeah. been riding well. Yeah, Savachi's riding really Savachi's well. been creeping up as the season goes along for sure. Look good in his heat. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to bring and up something. I before you do, I you mentioned AP. Um, AP had a terrible start, and he I, did put on a pretty good charge. So yeah, he I, was off, he was off the track with Malcolm. I saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I still think, yeah, no, not the the result I expected from you know, Saturday and, and going into Tuesday, but I would argue still solid ride. Great ride. Yeah, um, I think so. I agree. Jake, your, your thoughts. Um, no, I just want to bring up Malcolm. Um, if Malcolm doesn't crash in the first turn, does he be in his top five, six spot and Webb goes back even more? No, uh, that's tough. Are you saying that because of the whoops, the whoops and Malcolm mean, Third in the heat, he was looking good. Yeah, I, like I he, mean, you know, he loves those kind of tracks, like the whoops, like. Yeah, I can't agree or disagree. Just barking around, you know how he does. Yeah, I mean, and most of the season, I mean, he's he's been better than Dino and. Yeah. Not Pleasanger every race, but for the most part, Pleasanger, he's been better than Marv. So, I mean, maybe, I think. I, 
he was pretty buried off the start to begin with, so I would have liked to see maybe where he could have gotten up to. Right. But, yeah, I, I hope he's okay. I haven't heard what, what's going on with him. I think the sand section would have hurt Malcolm. Where... I, I agree. Go on. Yeah, where, where those guys had more of a rhythm to it and they were kind of jumping and skipping through it, I feel like Malcolm would have tried to bulldog through it and I, I just don't think it would have worked too well. No. Malcolm's launching the wall like Hill, <laughs> going crazy through the whoops. He's making enough time to go a little bit slower in the sand. <laughs> so then what about his teammate, though? He's He goes from a second to... Who, no, AP? He's, it, it, don't get me started no. with AP. No, Dylan Fernandez. Wait a minute. No. Dylan uh, Fernandez on the ground again. About, I don't care yeah. about him. I really don't Run it, care about him. Running Dylan through the Fernandez pack. At all. I mean, I think he's another guy who could have possibly caught up to Coop, but that Yamaha power just couldn't handle it, huh? Larry Lopelt. <laughs> so, what? That pretty much covers the, the, the 450s, I would say. What's. um. What's going on with Cooper Webb? Why is it the track? Is there a bike issue? Is he sick? It's got to be the go- track. I think it's the track. I think you'll see a different guy in Salt Lake. But I'm hoping we see a similar Cooper Webb here that we have seen. So I want to see this this points race tighten up a little bit more going into the final two. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think he's going to try. I, I think he's going to try a little bit harder to... Um, manage yeah on Saturday I think so too but I don't I don't know I mean Kenny looked like you said I don't think anyone could be Kenny on Tuesday night uh, even on their best night it it looked like Kenny of old so and you can tell when Kenny's confident because he gets the whole shot yes this year the tracks that he's been very good at I mean Perfect hole shot in the heat and in the main event. And then you saw how when he got through that first roller section and went triple single into that corner, how hard he drove that single up into that left-hander just to make sure that he was going to be out front of those two guys coming underneath him. And then what's crazy to me is when Webb rides up beside him through that sweeper, like push the dude into the bales a little bit. You know what I mean? But he just won't do it. But then, I mean, he just sprints the first five minutes and he's gone. Well, yeah. We can also, we can also talk about Bowers. Uh, he, he got a pretty good ride, but no longer running the Hoosier front tire. Only on the <laughs> rear. So I got to know, what's your, what's your complaint with this, with the Hoosier front tire? No bite. Um, pulls over. You can't compare it to a Dunlop or Pirelli, honestly. It's just, it's not there. But I the really rear tire is is fine. Fresh knobs, square edges, square edges on a rear oh, tire. You know what I mean? Hold on. I, I want to talk about something you guys were talking about last time. Uh, Josh Hill, main event. Josh Hill. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. And rode good in the main event. Like, was behind those guys and rode well to pass them. Late in the main event, I couldn't believe it. Chopping it up, just kind doing his thing. Nice. Just Don't at me thing. taking a top five this Saturday. And then, <laughs> yeah, right. Winning. And then one more guy to throw out there. Uh, I believe maybe first 450 main event for Henry Miller. I know he's he's good outdoors, but I know 
he just came in late, um, about halfway through the season, and put him in the main. So good for Henry Miller. Yeah, Henry, uh, Henry had a, a really good night all night for sure. Um, he qualified out of the LCQ, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I, all in all, I, I thought the racing on Tuesday was probably some of the best that we've seen all season. And I guess you could contribute that maybe to the fact that um, we are getting down to the end. So every little switch and change and pass and, you know, Cooper going down and McAdoo having the cartwheel and uh, restart, um, it seems like it's a huge deal because we are so close to the end and now we're really, really looking at championship implications here. Um, but I mean, even with all that considered, I would say that the racing was, was pretty solid. I think, uh, you know, I, I kind of like doing or changing, I would say changing the tracks the way that they have been going from, um, a stadium style track to, a speedway style track. I would love to see more stadi- uh, speedway style tracks in the future, um, or at least more consistently throughout the series, because I think it does really, I think it separates a lot um, that you don't see normally in the stadiums. Um, Chris, what do you got? I also, I also love the Tuesday race. I just, I look forward to it. I, I, go to bed on Saturday night. I'm like, all right, that was a good race. And then you realize that you're racing again on Tuesday and you're like, dude, let's, let's go. Like, let's look forward to it. But I kind of want to ask Vin, like, did you like when you raced on Tuesday? Oh yeah. It's sick. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is, and it's not at the same time. Like, obviously you heard a lot of things. Oh, if you have a little injury that you need to rest for the week, but I mean, dude, the East coast supercross guys, like we got, we got six rounds done in two weeks or in three weeks, technically, because we had a Monday through Friday off. But I mean, we did three in Houston and then the following Saturday we did three in Indy. So, I mean, it was literally a three week span and our season was, I mean, basically finished. So that's, that's actually an interesting uh, point that I kind of wanted to make and we can talk about it briefly, but it's something that I, I thought about. Like, it felt like the East Coast was so short, like so quick. And we've been in this West Coast, this 250 West Coast uh, series forever. Like, I don't, I feel like we were in and out of the East so fast. Like you said, six rounds in two weeks. And then we had the two week break. So that extended this 250 uh, West Championship quite a bit. Um, we haven't had as many residencies. So it just feels like it's dragging on. But, all that to say, how much of an advantage do you think that is for the East guys to get this time off? Maybe not only so much for Supercross, but also starting to look at uh, um, racing outdoors. I mean, getting you know prepped and, and kind of getting the race bike styled and things like that. I mean, do you think the West guys are going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, you got to think... Christian Craig and Colt Nichols and those guys have been, they rode outdoors for like a month before they hopped back on Supercross. Like I know they, I want to say they got back on Supercross April 1st. So they had from the first week in February until, you know, April 1st to, to ride and dial in a setting 
to start with outdoors. And I think it's better how they're doing it this year, which I think instead of like one weekend off before outdoors, I want to say there's three weeks off between the last round of Supercross going into outdoors. And I think, thank you, MX Sports, for doing that. The guys need a break. So, yeah, I, I like that move a lot. And, yeah, for the East Coast guys, it's going to be honestly weird watching them next weekend. Vin, with this weekend off following this next Atlanta round, do you think that's going to actually help the East Coast guys test for outdoors? I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the East Coast started, or the West Coast guys? Yeah, you're talking outdoors. about the East Coast. West Coast guys, sorry. sorry. Oh, okay. uh, championship guys, I don't think you'll see them touch outdoors. I mean, Justin Cooper, I, I don't see them putting him on an outdoor track for three days just no. to switch back to Supercross. I mean, this this title's more important than, than finding a base setting for outdoors, you know? So Absolutely. No. Yeah, Supercross, I think guys further down, uh, I think you'll see them start riding outdoors. But for these guys that are in the mix right now, personally, no way. Hot take. Um, well, yeah, so all in all, I would say that that pretty much wraps up our, uh, our hot Atlanta two review. Does anyone else got any, any last thoughts before we close out here? I got four things Four, geez, Louise, four things quick Saturday night. How is Justin Cooper going to ride and race with all the backlash he's gotten all week? I think he's going to be fine. I'm curious to see how McAdoo's going to be. I think that he honestly might be worse than he was Saturday night if he is feeling uh, everything that happened the other night. I think adrenaline was a big part of what pulled him through. I want to see if Kenny can keep it going. I hope he does, and I'm, I want to see how Webb rebounds. So four huge things to watch out for. Going to be good. Um, I'm going to chime in on the Justin Cooper thing. Cooper doesn't strike me as the type to, um, get too easily offended or too easily manipulated by what's going on in social media. It's because it's from New York. Let's get it. (laughs) Um, I feel like he's the type of guy that I, I don't think he really cares. I honestly don't. I think he could put the phone down and go out and do what he's got to do and and not really worry about it because ultimately at the end of the day, I also think that Cooper thinks he was perfectly fine in saying what he said. And I agree. I think he was perfectly fine in saying what he said. Um, so yeah, no, I don't think, I think he'll ride fine. Um, and Vinny, like you said, all, you know, all of the, the uh, fans, the haters, you know, it's not, just sh- shut know. up. Shut yeah. up guys. Yeah. Um, I agree. I hope Kenny can keep the the ball rolling. I'd love to see the points chase tighten up. Um, I'm going to throw something a little bit different in there. Not so much on the Cooper Webb, how he rebounds. I'd like to see if Jason Anderson is able to pull one out here. Um, He's been fast both of these races. I would like to see him put it all together. I don't know if the whole getting landed on incident necessarily hurt him as bad as he made it out to be when he was yelling at Alex Ray as he was laying on the ground. 
Um, but it very well could have. I don't know. Either way, I want to see him put it all together and, and take one of these home. Um, and that's that's all I got. Any last any last hot takes, Alex? I I just want to quickly hit on there. There was a lot of guys that had issues this past weekend, and we have what three rounds left of Supercross. Uh, some of them you're probably not going to see back. We already know Osborne's not coming back. Cincerillo's not coming back. Um, Hammaker did have an issue this weekend. It sounds like he will be back. From what I understand, it's a, a stomach bug kind of thing. Um, I don't know how accurate that is, but he should be back. Mumford looks like he will not be back. Uh, so with three rounds left... It looks like this championship is getting kind of wrapped up in the 250 class. Um, yes, there's still that that fight between Cooper and, honestly, everyone behind him because he has a little bit more of a gap right now. But the 250 class looks like it's kind of whittling itself down. We'll see what happens there. Um, 450 wise, everyone looks like they're prepping for outdoors. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, Christopher, anything? No, that's about it. Got to go hit the old grocery shopping. Again, didn't you grocery shop like two nights ago? I got at Walden this weekend. Ah, interesting. He eats a lot. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. you. If you don't win, you're fired. Starrett, what do you got? Nothing. The super pumped for Saturday. Okay. See what happens. You look good in that hat. I like the way you look. You, nobody else can see you. Nobody else can see Thank this, you. but hat looks good. All right, folks. Um, that wraps it up here at the Council of the Fellas. This has been our Atlanta 2 review. Thank you for tuning in if you've made it this far. Again, uh, we want to just thank all the sponsors. Uh, go hit them up. Tell them we sent you their way. Um, other than that, yeah, thanks for listening. It's been fun, and uh, I know we're all looking forward to Saturday. So. Peace, fellas. See you later, guys. Thank you. Later.